The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now it's time for our Friday Forum. And joining me this week, Gary Gannon of the Social Democrats, member of the Oireachtas Committee on Foreign Affairs and Defence, Neve Smith, Fianna Fáil GD for Cavan Bonham, chair of the Committee on Media, Tourism, Arts, Culture, Sport, and the Gwelthoth, and finally, Philip Bryan, political editor with the Irish Independent. Uh, we might start with uh, the DAA's difficulties. I mean, people might be just thinking, oh, well, doesn't affect me. And then that holiday that they had booked for late September, they'll be told, I'm sorry, the flight may be cancelled. Gary? I'll tell you who it does impact though. It impacts the people below the Freud Platte who are living around places like Fingal and having their homes there. And I think they have a right to say, look, we can't have our, every single night having flights going over our heads. We can't be having our lives impacted by that way. This has been going on for a number of years now. I think the DA had a number of, in front of a large period of time in terms to appeal, lay out their stand. They didn't do it in time. But I have had people on who are impacted by those flight paths. Yeah, but the, the, the problem is maybe about the flight path itself. If people bought their homes or whatever yeah. and they, or they looked at the plans and said, well, I won't be affected. And then it turns out exactly. that planes are going over their heads that they thought, based on the plans, shouldn't be. I don't get that. I mean... Air traffic control would have advised all of this and the county council would have been told and DAA would have been told. How is it happening when, according to the plans, it shouldn't be happening? Oh, well, that's the thing. And Fingal being the kind of final arbiter of these kind of agreements in the plan, and they're probably not best placed in terms of having the expertise to understand flight paths, understand the ways in which an airport develops. I'm not sure if Fingal, as a local authority, are perfectly placed to be the arbiter there. And I think a lot of that comes down to the expertise in terms of flight paths. Neve. Wow. Well, I've been listening to now, the debate. I know what you'd be saying. We'd love an airport in Cavan. We absolutely <laughs> would. Or Manon or anywhere along the border area, we would, of course. But I do appreciate for people it, it, it's a difficulty. I know what you're saying there too, Pat. I mean, if you're, if you're living in the area, I'm, I've kind of listened to both sides of the debate. It doesn't affect me directly, but obviously tourism affects us as a yeah. country and we mm-hmm. need to be open and as attractive. And of course, a lot of those early flights are for people for business and work yeah. that need to get out of the country and get to other cities early in the morning. But I have heard anecdotally how, how challenging it is for people yep. living in the we, area. We had Barry White, our mm. chief reporter, uh, out in uh, homes and houses and he conducted the interviews outdoors and it was actually one of those rare sunny days, you know, and the, the, the flights were making conversation virtually impossible in people's back gardens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to live like that. But... But if you live near Dublin Airport, you have to expect a certain amount of it. I have to tell you, Pat, as somebody who's from a a rural constituency, we used to come up, it was like the highlight of the summer to come up to Dublin Airport and sit in St. Margaret's and watch the the planes taken off. But I do appreciate it is difficult for people. But I think, particularly if you're moving into the area, there is a certain acceptance that it is a busy place, it's a noisy place and you have to keep the country open for business too. Fingal is expanding, but so too is the airport. Fingal and the airport, that requires planning, effective planning, who understand the decisions that are taken in advance. And I think that's been lacking there. We are, a, we are a global hub though as well, like that as yeah. in the, the people that don't, they just come here to, to mm. for stopovers and move on to wherever yeah. else they're going in the world. And it, it is one of the big things about Ireland is that we and are this Do we want to be that? Well, I think it's important that we are because um, we like aviation is a huge thing in this country, even just on the leasing side of things. Yeah. We've somehow become a, a global, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest country in the world for leasing airplanes, even though we mightn't have them all here. But 
I don't know. Is it something that you can fix with compensation for people who live well, nearby? Like, I, I'm there's not an sure over-reliance on Dublin Airport as well, potentially. Even when you think of it, the haulage that's coming in from the airport. Yeah. I mean, that could possibly be re- redirected. I mean, we could start developing, looking at Cork Airport, which is a hell of a lot quieter than Dublin yeah. Airport. We've Shannon, which we yeah. could redirect some of the kind yeah, of the cargo flights to it. There are alternatives there, but it does require yeah. people working. But our listeners are pointing out, you know, one of the listeners yeah. said, uh, uh, we'll take a, a lot of flights and not cargo flights. Oh, wait, we don't have a proper road infrastructure to get the cargo yeah. out of Knock. And the same would apply to Shannon. You've got a dual carriageway, of course, running into the airport, but getting from Limerick to Cork, for example, where you'd be hoping to deploy some of the cargo that comes in, um, there isn't a decent road. No, not a decent ra- railway infrastructure either. Yeah. All right, uh, we will uh, move on. And I thought we might mention antisocial behaviour because Liv Radker said uh, during the week that he'd feel quite comfortable walking about town. Uh, Philip, do you feel comfortable walking um, about well, we're, Dublin City? The, the Irish Independent is based on Talbot Street, um, yeah. uh, across the road from where the, that, that American tourist got beaten yeah. within an inch of his life and catastrophic injuries for the rest of his life. And look, that street, I've walked it many, many times. I've seen, I saw a knife fight one day after work and it was only like 7pm. <laughs> I saw a guy pull a knife on a group of young lads and like you don't really feel safe after a certain time. We'd have policies in place where people would have to get taxis home after a certain time of night. You wouldn't let someone walk across the road to, to bus or even or onto the keys to get a bus. It's just not safe. It it has, you just kind of get used to it though at the same time that you just go, oh, look, it's it. I keep myself to myself and don't engage with people who might be coming up to you. Now, and you can get into trouble in any part of the city, but there's no question there are certain areas of the city that, one of those is Talbot Street, that, sure. that you would feel, you know, I won't, don't really want to go there. Yeah. I remember years ago walking up O'Connell Street, going to um, the Christmas show. I think it was a Christmas Carol in the Gate with my daughters who were teenagers at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're at an age where maybe hanging on to dad's hand is not really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, one of them in particular moved closer and closer to me <laughs> and hugged me tightly <laughs> as we walked up from, but you then, know, past the Gresham yeah. Hotel up towards the gate. Uh, I wasn't fearful because uh, yeah. they weren't, you know, threatening me. But I, but it's not a new thing at the same time. You know, I remember I was 15 years old walking down Henry Street. I remember on a Sunday and a couple of lads came up and gave me a few slaps and took me runners and sent me Sorry, home and left them in socks. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, was, that, was, that was many years ago. You're very sanguine, I must say. Gave me a few slaps and took me runners. Look, I think it's, as to whether I feel safe is not, is not the issue, but people don't feel safe in the city. And I think that's mm. very clear. But that has been a reduction in garden numbers for me. I think we need the full force of the state to come into the city centre and make the capital city um, a lot safer than what it currently feels at the minute. Gardaí obviously have a role to play in that in the first instance. I think Dublin City Council have been led away with a lot in terms of dereliction, poor street lighting, absence of street cleaning, which gives that feeling of not feeling safe. I think the cluster of buildings which serve people with very complex needs in the city centre is something that hasn't worked at this point. And I have been calling for a long time, not just in terms of the recent spate of violence we've seen, but for a long time I've been calling for a multi-agency task force led by the Taoiseach's office, who there is precedent for this, who has a task force that works in the north inner city to extend the borders out, to 
Tobe Street, O'Connell Street, look at it improving the rent of the public around for everybody. That does require kind of joined up thinking. Yeah, now what people want, yeah. obviously they're calling for a, a Garda response, yeah. more Garda visible on the streets and the extra yeah. money that the government has put up is going to create more shifts available for Garda. Definitely. means the Garda will be earning more money but working harder because we are still in deficit of the number we require. A significant deficit. So I think Garda, of course, overall, I do have a role in the first instance. Here's what else I think we need. We need more youth workers and there used to be outreach youth workers who had experience and expertise in working with reaching very difficult, hard to reach cases. I was familiar with the case that happened in Talbot Street and I've talked to some of the locals around there. Some of those groups were hanging around that street for hours on that day and there was nobody who was able to just go out and say, here, little Johnny, for example, would you not, and that's not the kid's name, but would you not like move on or what are you doing hanging around there? There used to be great relationships with the youth work infrastructure in the north inner city and other areas like that. But that's uh, Gary, point. talk to me about consequences because, yeah. you know, the, no one wants to see, you know, a whole generation consigned to prison. No. Uh, John Lonergan famously said, you can guess who's going to be in the prison population it, from their address. Yeah. You, know, you can I mean, just know, you can predict it. But, but I'm, I'm wondering if there is a perception among many of the young people that there are no consequences and maybe one or two need to be put away or need to be snatched on the street and, you know, I don't don't want to single out two people, but you know what I mean. And I don't, Disagree. I don't disagree in relation to consequence, but we still have kind of prison populations that are fairly full at the minute and yeah. it's not solving no, the but issue. I'm just wondering yeah. if uh, the young people perceive yeah. there are no consequences. Yeah. But if there are consequences for one or two of their number, would that be a salutary lesson? We better not what do that. What type of consequences are you talking about? Hmm? What type of consequences are you talking about? Well, I'm yeah. talking about, uh, you know, that they would uh, go to juvenile detention and perhaps... Well, well kids do, though. Yeah. They are to Oberstown and places like that. And yeah. they, a lot of them are going yeah. into diversion programs which they don't see as a consequence. But see, so, so many people going into diversion programs are also I mean, Pat, these kids, you're not talking about people who, in the absence of like opportunity, it's that old Frankenstein thing when all good to me became lost, evil henceforth yeah. became my good. These kids are not people who are like going, oh, you'll be severely reprimanded. They don't understand it. They're not having kind of the one good adults intervene and at that point absolutely there should be consequences. I think there already is. But in the first instance we also need to look at opportunity. I mean, where can, where's the local football teams? Where's the local boxing clubs? Who's the people that were, what's the infrastructure we're building around the city? It's, I mean, policing has a role, so does kind of building the civic society in which these young people don't feel like they're outside of something. I'll be familiar with some of the cases, some of the individuals. You're talking about generational trauma on a very significant level. There has been a task force set up in the north inner city. I'd question how some of that money has been spent and utilised because it hasn't made the city safer. It hasn't punctuated into those kind of difficult, hard-to-reach cases. But in terms of making the city safer, this is not just a couple of kids from the north inner city. This, I mean, there's a whole complex kind of... um, approach that needs to be taken to improve in that kind of public realm around. I think the HSE need to be involved in, involved in terms of addiction, guards, Dublin City Council, all need to be brought around the table and say, look, we all need to be working together here. It shouldn't be kind of long terms we need to do any more research because we have decades of that already. We need a plan and we need a leadership on it. Okay, Neve. Pat, can I just say I'm a firm believer in visibility, visibility, visibility and I really think that unfortunately Gardaí have got drowned in paperwork uh, and bureaucratic stuff that they shouldn't be having to do. I really think we need to put more civilians into offices, allow the Gardaí to do what they're trained to do, to be out on the beat, to have that visibility because I think that will prevent the gatherings of young people and where the antisocial behaviour seems to stem from and if I could just kind of pick up on one of the points Gary made, we saw the tragedy that 
we had in Clonus uh, during the week. And one thing that was very notable to me, because it was all young people that were involved, and if I could take the opportunity just to give my condolences to both the McCann family and the Mohammed family, and also to Largy College and the, the principal there, Sharon McGuinness, who have done incredible work to be supportive to the families. But in regard to the young people, Youth Work Ireland were very much part of the response that had to be given to young people in their moment of trauma, as we've seen in Clonus. And going back to the, the piece about on Garda Siakon, I really think that we need to take our Garda out of the offices. They've been asking to be taken out of the office. They want to be on the beat. They want to be in the prevention uh, rather than the cure part of the story. And I really think it's like putting security cameras in a business. It prevents crime. If you've Garda on the beat, that they can be seen, that they're visible. And I have to say too, our local joint policing committees are doing incredible work engaging with the HSE, yeah. with the ETB, with the youth groups and all of that. Now, the, the, that kind of other problems. Uh, I mean, Gary, ideally, you'd have a Garda member living in the community of who would course, be the, yeah. the local guard. And time was when there was a police station at every corner. There might even have been accommodation mm-hmm. in that police station. Those days are gone. You've got to be able to... Garda who live in... who police communities should ideally be living very close to those communities and be able to afford to live close to those communities. Well, and that's a big issue. That's a massive issue. I mean, that's an issue for the Gardaí and the same it's an issue for teachers and the same issue that's for many place people who are involved in going to those frontline public services. What I will say, yeah, oh, it would be preferable, obviously, if Gardaí are living in the community. And there has been an increase that actually, when I was growing up in the north inner city, you never knew anyone that went on to be in the guards. But that's changed quite significantly now when we made some inroads. I do think though young people hanging around the street it's actually not illegal in the first instance so even if you have more Gardaí on the street there's only so much we can actually do on that instance we're not going to have a kind of a Lugs Brannigan approach in terms of going yeah. up anymore I think that those days are gone we do need youth workers or people who are on the street who have a relationship with these young people who in the first instance can intervene through conversation can actually identify dangers long before they happen Yeah um, the, the question of the guards I mean the GRA are now uh, going to have a a vote to determine whether or not they have confidence in the commissioner. Uh, Paul Williams was on earlier suggesting that it wouldn't be worth putting money with Paddy Power on which way it's going to go because it could be so unpredictable. But the consequences for a guard the commissioner were he to Mm. lose the confidence of the force. Well, we're in unprecedented territory here. This hasn't happened before. Um, We have uh, Drew Harris here who's been in for many years now. Um, He was brought in, of course, because they needed a new broom to someone to have, uh, you know, from outside the force to after all the various scandals that have brought in. And it's very clear to see that morale in the force needs to be at an all-time low Mm. at the same time. That you would even consider doing something like this to take on the the chief of the the organisation with uh, all the rank and file Would they have done it to one of their own rather than someone who came from the RUC? That's a it's a hard to know. PSNI. There there would be amongst some guards I think a little bit of what would you say yeah kind of not really accepting an outsider Um, it was kind of pointed as that was the problem um, why we got all these scandals because everybody was looking after each other inside the guards. It's hard to know if that's really the case uh, but perhaps organisations that are so closely linked like that and it's all about rank and moving up the various structures that that can happen. He has come in, he has introduced a, a campaign of suspensions and discipline that the guards hadn't seen before and that's obviously not going to make you popular amongst the rank and file. So that's been an issue for him. The pay thing has been an issue. The the antisocial behaviour, the, the the constant attacks, this madness around um, GSOC going after guys who are pursuing joyriders and thieves in in cars. It it, it just it, it seems like an organisation that really is on its knees at the moment. Neve. 
I think it's unfortunate to see, you know, the, the Gardaí rank and file um, balloting on, on confidence in the commission. My experience of the commissioner has been obviously uh, just at local level, at community level and at Justice Committee. And I would have felt so that his his view of policing and Gardaí would be what we've spoken about, getting Gardaí into the community. You know, we even talked about reopening small rural Garda stations, which I think is what communities actually really need. I always believe that, you know, something that's divisive, which this is, is unhelpful. Uh, and sitting down and talking is much more effective than ballots. Yeah. My the the my numbers, view. though, uh, have to be increased. And, uh, you know, if it's proportionate to population, uh, 14,000, 15,000 Gardaí is simply not enough. We need no. rather more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may take uh, decades to achieve. I'll read some of the comments. I reiterate, it starts with parents. Respect for each other starts at home. And also, if Dublin City Council were not so taken up with walkways, people could use their cars and therefore avoid being apprehensive and wary when walking to the city. <laughs> the green philosophy, is, of course, is more people walking and doing their business in the city yeah. is a protection for, uh, you know, the ne'er-do-wells yeah. stay away. Uh, not just uh, people in the inner city. I watch two people park illegally on the footpath and drive way down the footpath in front of Crumlin Garda Station a couple of days ago. Practically blocked the gate. They clearly had no fear or respect for the Garda. That's Ian in Dublin 12. Nobody mentions the parents of these children. They should also be held accountable, plus early education in schools. And lots of people saying that. Not only the city centre, Dublin 17, uh, I've got crack dealers on my doorstep. The Garda can't move them. The council ignored the area. Houses are boarded up everywhere and attracting these dealers. And then a predictable one, perhaps. Very simple solutions. More prisons, more Garda, as well as harsher sentences. On top of that, sentence youths to the same standard as adults. The punishment you serve, uh, the appropriate jail sentence, when you turn 18. However, you don't earn a criminal record uh, for it, just the time served, and that would sort it. So you're a juvenile, you don't get a criminal record, but you still serve the time. That's a... Yeah, can I... Like, say, for example, if you use America's three strikes in your out policy that was brought in under Clinton, I mean, all that did was came in and it sounded good and rhetoric in terms of coming up to elections, where all it did was flood the prisons with a conveyor belt of ever more people from disadvantaged, poor, and unless, like, predominantly black African Americans too. It hasn't worked. And private prisons. Private uh, prisons, the, infrastructure. The the nobody's, mm. nobody's safe for it. I mean, the rhetoric of that I can understand, but the actual evidence suggests that that's just a gross failure. What the only evidence that I do, like, I, I have to say, and I hate saying, if I'm Tony Blair's tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime, is an actual evidence based policy it'd be the only time we'll mention Tony Blair's name in any sort of like yeah. Okay um, one of the other things we talked about this week we'll talk about very briefly now the DESH schools and the fact that DESH has been diluted that uh, the resources are not being given to the schools that vitally need it Yeah well it's kind of interlinked with this as well isn't That's it That's what I'm saying Yeah, yeah that, uh, One follows the other Yeah you want uh, the kids who are in these communities to get as best education as they can um, to, to make sure that they have opportunities beyond just becoming involved in crime or whatever else they see uh, as an outlet for their well, we know that they are hugely helpful in communities and we saw some of the biggest numbers of schools being brought into death status last year with over 300 But does schools. that dilute it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well listen, I suppose arguably the schools who get that status would be thrilled to get it and it makes huge benefit to the kids who need it too. That's, I, I'm not suggesting for one second it doesn't address all of the issues and of course the more schools we bring into it the better for communities. Yeah, it could be a bit like one for every member of the audience, Gary. So some of the people that text in there were talking about where are their parents, for example. Well actually a lot of these the schools who'll be working in quite a call for an extra band of dash 
be working with students who probably don't have parents that their parents yeah. themselves have very traumatic complex needs and you're talking about generational trauma generational violence being passed down so this additional dash plush that's being called for is in recognition of the fact that poverty is in many ways a ladder and they're looking working with children here in schools and areas that have huge there are, complex there's dash needs. one schools dash, dash two schools so we need yeah. super dash super dash absolutely and you're talking about in the most complex areas and if you have that you're talking about mental health supports you're talking about language supports you're giving um, access to Look, emotional support, special education needs, smaller classrooms. That's if we break this cycle. Yeah, that's if we can find the teachers. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's across all professions at the moment. All right, we'll we leave it there. My thanks uh, very much to Gary Gannon, Social Democrats TD, uh, to Philip Ryan, Political Editor with the Irish Independent, and Eve Smith, Fianna Fáil TD for Cavan Monaghan. Uh, thank you all. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.